to Echoes Down the Road, a podcast presented by the band West of House. My name is Lance, and thanks for joining us for episode three of our second season, where Eric, Bobby, and I discuss our song Entwined from our second album, Round the Wind, which is a smooth rock song about love for all walks of life. So open your hearts and minds as we dive into Entwined, another fan favorite. We are West of House, of course. My name is Eric. And my name is Lance. And my name is Bobby. Bobby's back. Once again. Bobby, ba- Bobby back again. He's going to be with us. He's uh, he's part of the podcast Echoes Down the Road family now. So I, I guess we can stop calling you like a special guest star. <laughs> That's true. I mean, he's just special. You're, you're very special. These are, this, is not, this is not a lie. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you are just joining us for the first time, welcome. We want to thank you for giving us your listening ears for this hour, hour 15, hopefully not an hour and a half we're going to go. Uh, today, we will be breaking down the second track from our album, Drown the Wind, Entwined, which is a fun little track. We've got a lot to say about it. But first... Watch you heard the great music again, once again, done by Bobby Phillips, singing higher than, than dogs can hear. Yeah. But what's really even more important, what you drinking there, Lance? I appreciate for my first what you drinking there. I am going against the grain a little bit here. I have no audio of a pop top lid anything. I am drinking one of my favorite cocktails. We're doing a gin-based mule. And my favorite gin... This is a French version. It's a uh, Citadel with 19 botanicals. This uh, gin distillery, and I think it's the southwest of France, is uh, a newer one. I mean, newer-ish. 1996, it came out. And I guess a mule doesn't really work unless you also have ginger beer. So my preference is the super powerful ginger fever tree. So Is that what's in a mule? Is it gin and ginger beer? Is there anything else? Gin and ginger beer, and I have lime, and I just just use three ingredients. My friend's limes, he drops me a bag every two weeks, so I always have gin mules ready to go. Are you drinking it out of a copper flagon? Oh, yes. Oh, good. He's holding up the copper, people. Lance is the real deal. Absolutely. Yeah, I bought this in the eastern Sierras outside Bridgeport. Fabulous area for summer vacations. We're getting fancy and international over here. We are. How would you, uh, have you drank uh, that scotch, uh, scotch, I'm sorry, I'm drinking scotch, sorry Westies, have you drank that gin neat? I I have had it, I think I've, no, I've had it with ice, mm. I have not had it neat. Get a little judgment, but how, how was it neat? Was it smooth? What are we talking about here? Describe the nine, describe all 19 botanicals. I don't know if I can, uh, but we definitely have a lot of crisp juniper berries going on with this bad boy. It's much drier than my cheap version, my Bombay Sapphire. That's when I you know, need to buy a quick one at the grocery store. But Citadel is normally a nicer type of venue when I get out to those places. That's nice. Craft Gin seems to be uh, stepping up their game. I've been very impressed with some. Yep. This is top shelf, baby. Are you a gin drinker, Bobby? I am not. Um, I'm, I'm going to piss some people off here, but uh, it tastes like pine trees in a bad way to me. 
come on, man. We come from the land of double IPAs. The pine tree is, yes. it's meant to go in your mouth. It's different, man. It's different. I am, as far as, uh, as they say, the hard stuff, I am a vodka guy. Um, although today I am drinking a, another sour beer. Um, so we got beer, scotch, and gin. That's a pretty good start. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's how the best podcasts start it's out. true. Yep. I believe vodka is kind of a base part of gin. They're kind of related, but you got to lick the pine cone, Bobby. Just lick it. <laughs> Lather it in your mouth. It's too bad Tommy's not here, man. He'd be all over licking that pine cone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that reminds me. Where Where is Tommy? I mean, I, I didn't Nobody hear him knows. introduce himself. He's he was supposed your, to be on this episode. He's not in your backyard? He's not in my no, backyard. I, I don't think so. It's It's quite dark. He could be wearing camouflage. Well, Tommy, you were supposed to be here to talk about your your fine drum part, but I guess we'll just have to cover that for you when the time comes. Which leads I me. They were all programmed drums, weren't they? But you know no, what? With him, weren't. with him not here, they might as well have been programmed. Ooh, we can say that and right. probably get away with it because who's going to contradict us? That's darn right. I mean, I saw the tracks. I uh, that's about all I'll say about that. <laughs> So this is a perfect time. Uh, what we'd like to do at the start of these podcasts, we did a lot in season one, and we're going to continue doing it in season two, is we'd like you to pause the podcast right now and go ahead and play Entwined. You can go to any streaming service and give the song a listen, because then as we talk about things, we'll play clips and stems, of course. But as we talk about it, it'll be fresh in your head. And then at the very end of the podcast, we will play it here. So hopefully the things that we're talking about kind of come alive, and that song becomes very real, and you'll hear things that maybe you didn't hear before. Hey, Eric. Hey, Bobby. Should they listen Should they listen to the single version or the album version? You know what? That That is an excellent question. And for the purposes of this episode, I would say listen to the single version. Now, the only difference is, and I think we talked about this in a previous episode, is that carryover from nothing is but what is not. But on the single version, which is also on every streaming service, that that little carryover isn't there. So, and we did that. So, if you like to make playlists and don't want to have, you know, that that abrupt cut of those, they're not keys. It's the the cello tracks dying out. If you don't want to have that, you can use a single version, and then your playlist is clean. So, we were really thinking of everyone there. Well, let's give it a listen. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Thank you for the stream, the point zero 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 one cent. Uh, that'll pay for our next what you drink in there, maybe. So shall we? Shall we dive into the history, lads? Shall we go back in the time machine from whence? Uh, from whence entwined came? Yeah, I would love Bobby to share this part of the story. Oh wait, Bobby wasn't around. He yeah, wasn't so, there. Yeah, so it began with the Mad Ones back in 2018. <laughs> He's just reading the notes <laughs> now. Cheater. Bobby. Bobby is not a psychic. I can improvise. He's not though. looking back through his palantir, and so, oh, I just went full nerd there. If you caught that <laughs> reference, palantir. I have I have a question that will stump him and will prove that he's an imposter. Stump Bobby. Where did we record this? And create and write this song. I won't say record. Where did we actually write this song, Bobby? Ooh, uh, I'm going to say you guys were um, journeying the sub-Saharan area, um, searching, you know, on, a, on like a soul quest. Um, and you were running low on water and all you had left was wine. 
between the I think four of you and one of you, I think Eric saw a mirage off in the distance and a specter came to him and just whispered the word sanguine. And he just wrote a song from that. Wow. So close. That is, that is so much better than the real story. <laughs> Actually, it really is. So was this yeah, just no. a way to, to plug your place of employment, Lance? Uh, well, I also wanted to return the favor of his Kobayashi Maru and give him a question he was going to fail epically upon. Um, <laughs> so if, so that doesn't, if you don't know what you, that Bobby. is, Westies, the Kobayashi Maru test was in the uh, the last episode. That was uh, nothing is but what is not, right? Yep. Yeah, we did yes, all the clips it from it and Lance failed. Miserably. Okay. He, uh, hey. I got a two out of seven or eight. Two out of nine. eight. And two out of eight, you, dude. You wrote the parts. From a band parts. that you're in. Yeah. <laughs> from songs that you played on. Yeah, I haven't listened to it in a while, no, and no, that's no, a no, good no, no. batting no, average. No excuse. It should be part of your DNA at this point. But we're not here to talk about, you know, your your failures. Although that would probably take up an entire episode or season. Absolutely. Um, so yeah. So moving away from that wonderful game show of whatever that Kumbayashi was, yeah, it was at my employment. Uh, the Mad Ones. For those of you who are following us or first time with us, this was a, a band with Eric and myself and our guitarist Kevin, and we also had a friend of ours, Scott. And we have been playing for quite a few summers in a row at our local fair here in Orange County, and. Because we're poor-ish, we didn't really have a place to rehearse, so we used the studio at my school, at Troy High School here in Fullerton, and it was... Great, now they know where to find us. Yes. Well, they have some roots. So, yeah, it was a studio literally designed for recording drums, actually. Um, so it actually was a great place to rehearse. Now, now, do you recall why we wrote this song? What the event, the horrible event that happened... That, that made Entwine come to life. I do, and it's partly because I have notes in front of me, but there's more to just that question. Because we were under such a tight little window, we only had a couple weeks, I think, to rehearse. And so we, as every year, have a few songs we cover. And one of the songs was uh, Holy Diver, right? That's correct. And uh, Who does that? Who, anyways, who's it by? Give credit where credit see, is due, Lance. I, I will, and I, I'm always scared I'm going to pronounce it wrong, but Dio? Oh, come on. Are you Or Dio. Dio. Are you freaking <laughs> kidding me? This is worse, well, this is worse this than, is than the Neil Peart incident. Well, it's pretty much the Dio? same vein. Ronnie James Dio, man. Well, you know. <laughs> oh, my God. Like Dido? You know Dido? She was a great Just artist. Just when I think you can't debase yourself anymore. <laughs> the man is a, he's practically a god. Well, phonetically, it's Dio, but I guess it's Dio, huh? Oh, my. Oh, Jesus. We should just Anyways, end the episode right I am, now. I am with you, Eric. I am equally disappointed. Uh, if you Here, can see my face, Westies, my the, the look of shame and revulsion. <laughs> just, my Lord. But this mule is so good. God, even the mule can't save you. You're the mule. You're the ass I'm the donkey. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, I told you I'm worried I pronounce it wrong every I, time. I, I, you've heard so, me say it at least 10,000 times. That's clearly an exaggeration, but maybe 10 times. That should be enough. That's a realistic number. <laughs> it should be continue. enough. Continue. See if you can dig any deeper. Go ahead. 
Wow, I'm I'm a pro at digging deep holes. Anywho, so we pick. We normally will pre-select a few covers, and the Holy Diver was one of them, which is a badass song. Holy Diver by Dio. <laughs> Holy Diver, yeah. <laughs> And uh, it just wasn't clicking. Like, it was great. We were playing it fine, but it just didn't fit the set or it just wasn't vibing right or something. And so we just kind of put it on hold and we all just jammed for a while, one of the nights, and out through the loinal regions was born a wonderful song called Entwine. So it was, I mean, he's, he's churching it up. He's making it look a lot nicer. Uh, it wasn't a happy moment when we realized that the Dio song wasn't working. Because, you know, like Lance said, I think we were one and a half, two weeks out from our show at the fair. And so now we have to kill a song because it, it wasn't there. Uh, so, I mean, I was pissed as I'm apt to be in, in rehearsals or something when something goes completely south. No, never. No, never, I'm never. totally calm and, you know, just sanguine. <laughs> I was not I was not sanguine about this moment. I was the anti-sanguine. And there might have been like exsanguination if something hadn't come up. A lot of lot of 50 cent words here. And we're gonna quiz Lance more on that later. There might be another game show in your future, Lance. <laughs> oh, I can't so, wait. So for whatever reason, uh, I start playing a riff. It's it's like a E minor GDA with some slides and little picks. Lance comes in, you know, Scotty, Scotty B on the drums, great drummer. If you're listening, Scotty, hello from Texas, you Texas lad. He starts playing. Kevin starts doing his little wheelie deely whale sounds. And, and we got something. And we switch up a chorus and I do like a B minor. I don't know what it is right now. B minor GA, something around there. I don't have a chart in front of me. And it just started really flowing and really sounding good, like, I don't know how to how to describe it. I mean, it sounded like a Mad One song, you know, the style of stuff that we were playing at the time. Uh, and then it, of course, became a West of House song. There's a lot of similarities, wouldn't you say, Lance, between the Mad One style and the West of House style? Yeah, and this song especially, I don't think it transformed too much, but um, I think texturally it, it's more refined. But yeah, we kept it pretty pure, and it did match our vibe here with West of House. And it, and it was cool. And by the end of that rehearsal, we had musically a full song. Every part of Entwine that you hear on the album, that was there on that day. And the next week we came back, and I'm not sure where it came from. We decided to do a little breakdown between the verses and throw a little 7-4 time in there. Yeah, baby. We do a thing, thing of 7, and then a thing of 4-4, four, four, and 4-4, four, four, and then back to 7. And Because we all have prog roots. You know, we're fans of Dream Theater and Rush and prog bands, and we're not as good as those guys, but we can still spice it up you know, when necessary, and we threw on the outro. And the outro, I'll admit, is totally stolen from an older band that I was in that we talked about in season one, a band called God Complex. And that's a band that I played with uh, with Tommy. Tommy was the German in that band. And we stole that from a track called uh, A Montague in a Capulet World. And I think we wrote that 2002, 2003. Recorded it at Sunset Sound in Hollywood, which was a fantastic experience. And you music nerds out there know the history of that studio, I'm sure. And that that became Entwined. And we played it at the fair in 2018. And I've got right now 
This is a live version we're going to play a little clip from, from when we played it in 2019, the year after. So here we go. You know, when listening to that, Lance, I mean, it's still the same song. Yeah. Obviously, it's refined in the, how we recorded it finally properly in a, in a studio. But the bones were all there. Absolutely. So I think, I think we loved it so much when we played it in the Mad Ones that it was kind of a no-brainer to bring it to West of House. Yeah, it fit well. And I, I think we, Nerd, as you mentioned, is prog-based. But getting those different time signatures in there, it's kind of... Just a fun little song that is a little like, whoa, that's different. There's some extra notes in there. And I don't know. It, as nerds as we are, I think we love kind of throwing that change up. Oh, we didn't even mention that the outro is in a different time signature as well. Yeah, 5-4, right? 5-4. That's it. So awesome. It's a wonderful time signature. I love playing in 5. <laughs> I, I love playing in 7, but I don't love singing and playing in 7 at the same time. That's not quite as much fun. Okay, I'll take your word for it. Yeah, well, you know, I don't have to do it in Entwined either because that's why it's between the verses. So so Kevin tracked kind of a, a rough version of this song when we were in the Mad Ones. It was always our intention to go record some stuff, but it, it never really came about too much. But Kevin had tracked some old guitars, and so when we brought it in, I took that, that Ableton file that we had and just moved it over to the West of House folder. So, so we had Kevin's old guitars on it. And Lance, uh, you were the next one to lay down some, some West of House stuff. Yeah, it's normal fashion. I think I lay down after you. Again, it was pretty much the same song we had played before. Probably did it in a couple takes, maybe an hour. Because I did want to change and refine a few things on it. Um, the choruses, I know I added some more slide, like where appropriate, into a couple notes and transitions. And so I want to make that smooth, which is more kind of the West of House feel. And, and then on the bridge, I got a little bit more, I don't know, attacking in my right hand and try to really get a cool driving piece there with some... I don't know if those are 16th notes or something, but, but that was kind of fun. It added a little bit more texture on those bass lines. But like I said, pretty much the rest is exactly the same as you guys heard on that live version Eric just played. That's kind of a kind of a song you could probably do with your eyes closed, I imagine. Yeah, I could probably do it during a wedding rehearsal or ceremony next month. Well, why are you Hopefully. you're just giving people too much information so that they can stalk us? And it's not going to be me or you. It's Tommy they're going to kill. Well, of course. Or at least tell him to shut up. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Wait, what? I like how you kind of came at it at a different angle. It was nice. Yeah. 
Yeah. So when, when did you record those tracks? Do you recall when it was? I'm assuming we did this fairly early on in the second recording because we had a few things left over from the first album and we worked on those. And then I think that's when you started asking, hey, what do you think about bringing Entwined in and Oracle? We kind of went back and forth on that. So I don't know. End of the year, December, January? Yeah, I think that sounds about right. Uh, so it was done. It was done early. I think it was December. I, I think this was actually a, a 2020 song. I was going to ask, did you did you guys have this done before we wrapped up the Pinecone EP? Like this was recorded and ready to start or? Well, we'd finished the bass. Oh, got, okay. We, I got you. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. just the I'm bass. Tracking. We And he did that, I think it was the end of the month. Okay. While you were, you were focusing on, uh, on the EP. Yeah. Gotcha. On Pinecone. Okay. And gotcha. we were still, you know, we, we were already we busy, Bobby. We, we were heads down going for the new album without even really telling anyone about it. I think we told you. I don't you know. Told, told, you told me. Did we tell you? You told okay, me. So you, so you, you told me. And then we told the world just a few, uh, as of recording a few weeks ago. So. <laughs> then we waited another nine months and told everyone else. But Lance, you did a great job as usual. It was just so clean and pretty and melodious, like, like a sonnet of lower sonic glory. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm feeling loquacious today. Ooh, I hear so that. Dollar <laughs> words, my friend. So so next, uh, so as we talked about in previous episodes, or a episode, you know, Kevin was he was expecting a baby, and so he was a pretty busy guy. But one thing he did jump on pretty quickly were his tracks for Entwined, and I think a lot of that came from his familiarity with the song as well, uh, with it being a Mad One song. And, but he was not happy with the guitars that he recorded when we were the Mad Ones, so he went ahead and redid his guitars. And just two tracks for the rhythms, left and right. And they are, the tone on these is absolutely gorgeous. And so that's what you're hearing right now that just came out of the ether, to use one of Lance's favorite words. Just, and the way he... I don't know, entwines. Haha, <laughs> see what I did there? The way he entwines, you know, these left and right guitars is just beautiful. And hearing it kind of without the drums and the bass, you know, you just get a real good feel of his tastefulness as a guitarist. Yeah, he's a magician when it comes to those sound qualities and creating not necessarily classic guitar lines, but just beautiful or they're powerful, but they always fit like. I don't know, a pat of soft butter between some sourdough toast. It's just always perfect. The dude's a sonic architect for sure. I, I, he really is. It's a, uh, I've got, I don't know how many times we've said it, but Kevin just happens to play exactly what he's supposed to play when he's supposed to play it. The man does not waste notes, which is a rare commodity in, in the music world. So, and then Kevin also does this melodic lead line, which you're hearing in the background right now. And he brings us in at the final chorus. And just another example of the perfect type of line, if it's not there, something would be missing. So when you listen to the song in full and hear that final chorus, it adds that extra oomph to it that kind of brings a lot of that melody that's already within the song and raises it uh, to another level. It's an elevation for sure. Um, Just helps that last chorus have that final impact and just pushes it that much further. It's awesome. It's all about it's all about bringing it home. You know, we're big we we're big believers on our songs. 
We do. We do a and lot of like final revealing. I hope it's not a blueprint that's played out already. You know, but we definitely have that, you know, that big last chorus is going to come in and and take you to the sweet spot. Oh. I don't know if we have to change it up now and go like avant-garde puppet show jazz. Well, you could pull the Metallica Unforgiven where the verses are huge and the choruses are more mellow. <laughs> or we could just do something like Lulu and end our careers before they ever truly start. <laughs> You're better than that. Let's not. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's it's true. Huh. All, all three of you Lulu fans don't hate on us. <laughs> And then uh, what's next? Oh, he did some outro solos, and we're going to kind of talk about the outro uh, in a bit because that's its whole other monster. Talking about the 5-4? The 5-4. The, the monster 5-4. Mm. So now uh, it was my turn to play, and honestly, on this song, I had no intent of playing guitar in this song because what Kevin put down uh, was perfect. And Kevin's, you know, with my carpal tunnel, which is just a mess you know kevin's rhythms are just far cleaner and prettier than i could ever do but i didn't want to be completely shut out and i did a little addition to the bridge that's playing right now and that's just something you know to give that bridge part a little more and i got a little more bored so I put down some Ebo. And if you don't know me, I, I, I don't know if we talked about it too much in season one, but God, I love me some Ebo. That is just, it's, it's one of my favorite little guitar toys because you can make some crazy sounds with it. Yeah, you just can't use it very often. Otherwise it gets overdone. But when you do use would you it tell the right edge moment, that Would you tell the edge that it's overdone? <laughs> I, I think bands do that love it mu too much do overuse it, but it is a very cool sound when it fits the song appropriately. And I hope it did. Everything in moderation except for Eric's whiskey. Yes, not well. <laughs> I don't know. It's really good whiskey. <laughs> uh, so we had the ebo, and that's you know that kind of goes back to adding that little extra to that last chorus because it takes you out of that. That little instrumental part we have going, just the chugga chuggas on the E minor, E minor GDA, M Gda, and and brings you to that final chorus. And and I always get happy because when that part comes up, Lance, you kind of smile because I know you do like that little line. I do, especially when you pronounce it that way. Pronounce it what way? The Idiga. Oh, the, oh, the actual chords. <laughs> I thought you were going to try to correct my pronunciation on Ebo or something. You know, no. I, I'm not going to no, pull a it, dial. It's an about. It's an about. An about. I'm going to do a whole episode using Lance words. E-B-O. It's uh, Eric. It's Lance. Lance. Yes. Lance. Lan Lanky. Lanky. <laughs> Lanky. <laughs> Actually, when we visited Lanky Romania, they, they pronounced it Lance. Because C E is a ch is a ch sound, so I'm launching. Oh, yeah, it. That's what they were trying to say. They they want yeah. to launch a you into another universe. <laughs> dilly dilly. Tommy's not here, so you're going to be the the focal point of my <laughs> of my sarcasm. All I'll right. take the zingers off the rails already. So so I got a little bored. You know, I'm waiting for Kevin at that point to do his guitar solo, and Kevin's wrapped up in you know painting nurseries or. 
whatever you do when you're waiting for kids, it's been about 14 years since I've had to do it. So I've kind of forgotten a little. So I went ahead and I did a temp solo. And I, again, no intention. And I did my whole Pink Floyd thing that, that I'm apt to do. And it ended up sounding something like this. So that, that was the solo for Entwined, and I sent it to Kevin, you know, kind of saying, hey, can you do something like this? And Kevin really liked it, and I was okay with it, so that ended up being the guitar solo. It sounded good, too. It, it fit the song well, where some days I actually forget it wasn't Kevin. Did, did you forget it was, it, it, was, it was me? Before we literally no, started talking I, about it? No, I'm just saying, like, there's, there's a few songs on this album where... I remember when you and I were listening to it and we broke down pieces where I'm like, that's Kevin, right? Because you did some really pretty stuff on this album. I, I was, you know, with all the busyness, I was forced to do probably a little more lead work than I would have done. You know, it turned out okay. It's not bad. I think Kevin probably, Kevin probably would have done it better, but it, it works. We will never know. We will never know. There's something to be said for the contrast of two different guitar players, because otherwise it sounds like it would have been mostly just Kevin holding the whole thing down. So it does give a whole, it gives another texture to it. Well, I mean, we do also have another guitar player. Well, yeah, this is true. What? That would be Dave. That would be Dave. Dave also (laughs) expecting a baby through this whole process. Kevin and Dave were very busy, Westies. They were extremely busy and just, they made me work harder than I'm used to on guitar for this album. <laughs> but it's good. It's good. We gotta stretch you. It's good. The next next episode, we will be dealing with the only song on the album that both Kevin and Dave play on. That's crazy. It's nuts. It. It's nuts. But the good thing is, I think you can listen to this album and, you know, after Crescendo, we've kind of gotten into this mode where you're not really sure who's playing. We had one review uh, written where he's like, I can't tell the difference between Dave or Kevin or Eric, and I don't know who's playing leads or who's doing what. And I kind of considered that a compliment. Definitely. And uh, don't forget about the fourth guitarist. We, we will talk about that in another episode. Not this one. <laughs> I, I don't want to ruin the surprise. But, okay. but we will talk about the, a fourth guitarist. He, he's kind of a diva. But, but you'll find out in... In a future episode, so I'll give you something to look forward to. Handsome. I, I've, I've met him. Everything about this is true. Yeah, complete. <laughs> Never mind. I'm not going to say it. It's a family show. I'm not going to put the E yes. next to this episode. Okay, next there were drums, and there were drums on the song. And then now let's talk about the... <laughs> well, they were all recorded okay. on a machine. Oh, well, I should probably say something about the drums. <laughs> he actually did it. <laughs> <laughs> yep, we're all actually friends with Tommy. People, it's this is it's part of the shtick, you know. Every everyone's show's got their heel. Tommy's our heel. So the, well, and we invited him to be in this episode. We did he invite him and, not to and do he it. Didn't show. So, so that's he's uh, left his back open for slinging insults. Yeah, if if you don't show, I mean, come on, we we set these dates. In fact, he was the one that set this date. That's true. Yeah, that's a true fact. Tommy said, "I'm available the 16th," so we're here. It is September 16th. I'm not sure when this is coming out, but that's when we're recording it. And there's no Tommy to be found. Womp, no text saying, guys, let me in. You know, w- what are we to do? 
but mock him in his absence. And continue on. So, Absolutely. So why don't we talk about drums? Bobby, why don't you talk about the drums a little? You, you be Tommy for this episode, minus the rambling and, and incoherence. <laughs> right, so drums and pine cones and yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, the drums were really cool. Um, I pulled up the, uh, the stems earlier today just to refresh my memory on the song. Like, I'm familiar with the song, but it's different when you're looking at the individual tracks. Um, but he played it incredibly well. Um, obviously, his his prog gets to show through with the odd time signatures, the seven fours between the verses, and then the the outro, which we'll get to. Um, but otherwise, it's 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 one of those perfectly crafted uh, drum parts. As far as it's tight, it's not overly flashy, and it serves the song really well. Um, you know, he crafted a few fills here and there uh, on the toms, but otherwise, it's it's just. It's just a straight-ahead rock song. It's exactly what it needed to be. So there were drums on this song. <laughs> there were, and Tommy played them. Tommy and, played them. You know, we, we this was kind of the start of doing things differently on this album, uh, and we alluded to that, I think, in the very first episode, but the drums were actually the, the last thing to be recorded, not counting final vocals. Final vocals will always be last just because I want everything to be there before I do those finals. Uh, but though they were the last instrumental track to be recorded, which, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but in all my previous recordings before West of House, you know, drums and bass came first. That, that, that's what you laid down first, and then everyone built upon that foundation. So it was really weird, especially for this album, where drums were like the last thing recorded for almost all the songs. I kind of remember Tommy mentioning in our group chat when we were talking, and I forget which song we were working on at that point, but I do remember him uh, just kind of wrapping his head around that being the last instrumental part rather than the first. And not frustrated isn't the right word, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I remember him just kind of being a little, put a little off kilter, I guess. It was just kind of left a center for him. Um, but I mean, he made it work, um, but he he did kind of mention that it was a little strange for him to try to fit his drum par- parts, his drum parts around what was already done rather than the other way around where, like you said, we start with the drums and then bass and then everything kind of slots in around those. Well, um, and I mean, the, the ironic thing about that is he was the last one to record because he was the last one to get his tracks in. <laughs> also that. <laughs> <laughs> We but we song, always intended to do bass and drums first with just the scratch <laughs> guitar, but Tommy's schedule was a little crazier during this album cycle, and it didn't always work out that way. Well, and Tommy, if you're listening to this, I'm proud of you for listening to this instead of watching TV. <laughs> There's <laughs> no hidden both. message there on deadlines <laughs> or late tracks. <laughs> but this song, I think also, if I remember right, frustrated him a little bit because... We were trying to keep it fairly close to the way we originally played it. That's correct. And sometimes that's hard for him because he wants to make his emphasis, his impact, and and add his flair and color, I guess. But it it, it was easy for us to do because we had, I, I don't know if you used the original stuff, but your drum track that you put out there was pretty close to what it was. And, you know, I think Tommy wanted to try to create something unique, and we're like, no, no. It needs to be pretty much driving like this. He added his normal color and his hi-hats and sticks and stuff that he can do um, that he's great at. So I think that was part of what slowed him down on this one particularly. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, I'm not a drummer, 
so I can't say, but I imagine that would be hard for any drummer when you have a song that's already established. The song was three years old. And so we obviously, in our mind, know what the song should sound like. And for, for better or worse, that's just not the time to experiment. You know, so yeah, yeah, we gave Tommy pretty specific instructions. And and you know what? He did well. He didn't do anything crazy. But what he adds, because our previous drummer, Scotty B, uh, extremely solid. Dude played with a kit that was what? Three, four pieces? One, yeah, I think he often rehearsed with three. Kick, snare, one. Did he have a floor tom? He had a floor tom, right? Floor tom and a rack tom? I don't think he had both. <laughs> I think he had like one in between the two. No, he he had a floor. He had to have a floor. Yeah, but I think it was like a small floor or a right. Big and then he had the, then he had the that, one rack tom up there. Maybe so, maybe so four drums and some cymbals. But the dude was all about you know solid. He was the, yeah. he was timekeeper all the way. Uh, extremely yep. tasteful because with that many drums, you can only you know you you can't help but be tasteful. And then but the stuff he played, you know, it it was wonderful. And so we yep. kind of went in, you know, Tommy's got 6,000 drums. So it's a completely different monster. So his, I, I compliment Tommy on his restraint, you know, on this song. Because I'm sure that the call of the wild to play all the drums at one time was there. But it, it would not have served this song. And when Tommy sends me his drum tracks, he's got um, two mics on the kick, two mics on the snare, uh, one on the hat, one on the ride, two overheads, three rooms, and one on every single tom. And I believe, if memory serves, he's got seven toms. So listeners out there, you can do the math. And if he doesn't hit a tom, he doesn't include that mic. It just doesn't matter. He hit every drum at least once. So with restraint, <laughs> he still managed to hit everything on that kit. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny because you'll hear a you'll hear a Tommy fill on several songs in the album, and it, they some of the fills kind of they sound like they could literally go on for days. Because he's like, I'm going to hit every <laughs> drum on this fill, and it's cool because they're because you pan them, Bobby, mm -hmm. in just such a great way, and you hear them just go from like right to left, just. It's very cool, and I mean, we got some Tommy fills. Can can we play one of the fills now? Is is that copacetic? It's allowed. So so here's a here's a few Tommy fills from Entwined. There's there's Tommy, you know, doing what he does best, playing all the drums and playing them well. So, which brings me to a fun part. I'm actually looking forward to this one. The outro. Now, the outro is a different monster. The, my favorite thing is when people are listening to Entwined and they get to the end and, and the guitars start fading out and then kicking them right in the sonic teeth. You have this 5-4 part with crunchy guitars. Yeah, you think the song's over, and then it's definitely not. We're fooling you. We're luring you into our trap. Slap in the face. It's it's wonderful. So as we talked about earlier, this comes from an old God Complex song. And you know what? I have archives for everything. So I'm going to play you the 5-4 part from this God Complex song. 
and then you'll you'll kind of hear the similarities. So here we go. Okay, so there you go. Uh, Bobby, Lance, can, can you hear the similarities there? Yeah, abs- yeah. I mean... Of course. <laughs> that means literally the same thing. No, there's... Uh, yeah, it's... <laughs> there's nothing better than stealing from yourself. It's it's completely allowed. Well, especially if you own it, then hell yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't even have to pay myself royalties. Just some rebranding. That's right. No, no one ever... You know, seven people heard that song back in the early aughts. So it, it deserved to breathe again. Eric, would you say you're, you, you've taken a couple of songs now, borrowing from yourself and your past and your past bands. Are you making, and maybe you have to kill me if you tell me the answer, are you making a Voltron of music? Oh my God, that's the coolest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Five mini lion robot songs come together to form. Car one. Voltron, No. Lion Voltron. Lion. Oh, man. Third album name. Voltron Rock. <laughs> Voltrock. I love that. That's, that's, oh, that, that digression made me happy. Nice job, Voltronic. Bobby. You, you bring up Voltron, you, you really can't lose. These I mean, facts. it, it no, dates us never. and tells everyone how old we are, but that's okay. I mean, chicks don't dig it, but us dudes, yeah. I, I think... It, I mean, is there a dude that doesn't love Voltron that knows of of it? If you're 30 or younger, yeah. I, I assume Voltron's pronoun Voltron's his pronouns are it, sorry. Its pronouns are it, I assume. When when they're united, yeah. I don't yeah. wanna Yeah. Well, I mean, they don't really talk about the gender of the lions, and I don't want to be that guy. Off the rails. Totally off the rails. You know, but you know, we'll bring that back when we talk about lyrics, because there's some there's some things that are the same there. And people right now, people are being like, Voltron and the lyrics? I got to hear this song again. Cle- Cleo, <laughs> turn it up. <laughs> <laughs> Whose name is Cleo? Where does this come from? It's got to be the scotch. So so we have this outro. And now here's, here's the fun. I have my reasons. Lance, you're in the band. Bobby, you may as well be in the band because you're, you're part of the family. Why? Why do we throw this outro at the end of Entwined. Lance, go. I think to quote our conversation, why the hell not? I'm not going to say you're wrong. I, I'm not. <laughs> well, how about you, Bobby? The why eludes me uh, definitively, but I would say why the hell not, and it's fun. <laughs> That's all I got. I mean, it's an instrumental outro, and... uh to use one of my favorite $3 words, it's absolute cacophony when everything comes together. You do say cacophony a lot. Almost as much as Lance says ether. I love that word. Like when we have tombstones, I know the exact words that'll be on our tombstones. Cacophonic ether. Title of our next album. <laughs> That's another great love band it. name. <laughs> I Sounds am like something out of a ether. Doom video game. I'm here to ar- arouse you with my tones. So here's the reason of why we do the outro. You ready? Eager. I'm on the edge of my seat. <laughs> Lance is finally right. Why the hell not? Woohoo! Uh, that, I mean, usually, I mean, usually I, I, these guys will tell you, I plan out almost everything meticulously. 
not much is done by accident. But the way the song went, it just felt like it needed an exclamation point instead of a period. And to me, that 5-4 part was just the exclamation point. It was just us being able to unleash after playing this really cool, really hooky song and just to kind of throw in something heavy. And th- that's it. There's no, there's no deep meaning. I love the video review guy. Spider Hands. Uh, is the guy from Australia? Yeah, when he listened to this, and he did a fabulous job breaking it down much more intricately than I've ever seen a reviewer. When, you know, the song ends, we have the sustained note, like you mentioned before, and then when we start hitting this, he's like, whoa, whoa, hold on, what the hell just happened? And it was like, it was the exact kind of reaction we wanted, yeah, like, when exactly. we throw that in there, and he nailed it perfectly verbally, it was fantastic. And, and that's kind of fun, I mean, it's completely unexpected. You do not expect that to come after Entwined. But when you hear it together, it works. Yeah. You know, and again, that guy's reaction, that is exactly the reaction I wanted from someone to be like, hey, that's a great song. It's over. Oh, my (laughs) God. What the hell is that? So, so, you know, we have the uh, using the Bobby word, which I also love because it was a great Jason Becker and Marty Friedman project, Cacophony. So we have these solo tracks. So I, I throw down four solo tracks at the end. And I've got one, I'm doing some uh, some tapping, but with the pick to make it a little more, you know, aggressive. And then one with like some squealies, you know, and just some hot bends, what you hear now. And then I throw in two more, and then Kevin does his lead, and, and, and let's... Bobby, let's throw something together with just all the guitar solos put in at one time. Can can we do that, sir? Can we play that now? I'm sorry, if that doesn't wake you up in the morning, I, I don't know what will. I'm <laughs> I, I'm pleased all over. It's it's I grew six hairs on my chest just listening to that. And he only had one. So <laughs> he is up to seven. Woo! <laughs> That's how hot that track is. The hot licks in there, they're incendiary. It's the wow, you are Mr. Vocab tonight. Yeah, I'm surprising <laughs> with how much scotch I've had already. We'll just call you Webster tonight, shall we? Which is actually a great segue because I think when we get into vocals, it, it's when you realize what this song is about, which I didn't realize the first time I played it for many years, you kind of go through the same experience. You're like, oh my God, I didn't realize that. But yeah, that totally works. Yeah. And it's, uh, I mean, it kind of comes out of nowhere and, you know, kind of kind of jumping back and forth before that, you know, the vocals for this, which are made up of the lyrics, Haha. <laughs> uh, the vocals were pretty easy. You know, kind of like your part, Lance. It's stuff I could have sung, you know, half asleep. I, I didn't. Hopefully I gave more energy in the vocal performance than that. But this was a song that I really knew. So I didn't have to relearn how to inhabit what I was talking about, which was kind of refreshing because some songs 
I'll write the lyrics right there and jump on the mic. And I mean, there's been times where I've done a final the same day I've written a song. And I'm not going to say, you know, those songs don't turn out as well, but there's something to be said for a song that's lived in your head for three years and the performance that comes from that. The, the fact that you've performed this song live too, um, in my experience, taking a song out in front of people and performing it in front of people can actually help you solidify the good things about it and maybe even change some things, often subconsciously even. So the fact that you've performed this at least a handful of times in front of other people had to have just set that in stone for you. Yeah, absolutely. You could you could not be more correct. When you are able to play a song live, songs morph. Especially in that last chorus where we add in I Am Yours and You Are Mine, that actually came about from a live show. We went to the second chorus and I wanted something different, but I didn't know what it was. And that just came out and that ended up becoming part of the final song. And we'll kind of dive into those lyrics, you know, and, and what those mean. But the one thing that was brand new and, and I'm sure it surprised Lance and, and Kevin was now when I recorded it for West of house, I put lyrics on the bridge. It's all too much. And it's all not enough. So that was that wasn't there originally when it was a mad one. No, song? that we we it was more of a kind of an instrumental bridge breakdown, and then we went to a guitar solo that Kevin used to do. It was a very shreddy guitar solo when we used to play it live, and there was nothing there. I always wanted something there, but nothing fit, and it was a it was a trip because I was singing the final, and we got to that part, and I wanted something, and what I'll do, how I'll typically write lyrics for West of House. So I'll turn on a mic, I'll put on headphones, crank up the song and start off maybe singing sounds and just different uh, rhythms that I think will happen and you know see where a melody goes, see if a hook comes to be. And we got to that part and it, it was really strange. The first thing I said was it's all too much and it's all not enough. And then I listened back and I thought, well, I'm just going to keep that. <laughs> so it, it it fit the song. It fit the feel. It fit where the lyrics were going. And just, just like that, we had a bridge, which was really cool. That's one of my favorite parts of the entire song, for sure. Yeah, me too, which is often, I think, a lot of our songs, we always say, God, we love that bridge. We love that bridge. And this is a very catchy line in the song. Uh, it's all too much. And just the way your voice kind of hits it, there's a little more space in your, the way you sing it. It's a very catchy little song or that phrase in the bridge. Yeah, thanks, dude. It's, uh, it's simple, you know? And sometimes, you know, when it came to do another line for this one, it felt better to repeat it than to write something new and just kind of bring this idea home. You know, this, I, I write a lot of... Uh, a lot of contradictions and dichotomies and opposites in my lyrics. And this idea was uh, that it's all too much and it's all not enough. Something about that resonated with me. And again, we'll jump into lyrics later. Uh, the only other things I did, I, I did some harmonies. Uh, I think minor thirds on the verses to create some tension. If the sun will set and never rise again on our requited love. You know, there's another guy that sings background vocals on this song. And and who would that be? 
I have no idea what you're talking about. I, I missed yeah, well, it. the I guy know. that has no idea, he is also a very talented singer in his own right. And the background vocals on this album are all either myself or Mr. Bobby Phillips. So, Bobby, why don't you uh, take us through some of the BGVs, will you? Yeah, so um, after a little bit of chat, we can play them um, melded with your voice as well. You had come to me asking... Uh, uh, if I would contribute some backing vocals. And I don't remember if this was the first one Oracle. of this album. Oracle that I did. was the first. Oracle, that, that's, that's right. That's when yeah. you, you and laid then down and oof, we knew we had something. Oh, man. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll that's, save that's that because stuff. that was, I. that's good stuff. What happens a lot of the time, and it, it, it was just kind of serendipitous. There's another money shot word there. So, but it was, it was kind of cool because, uh, when I'm working on music, my own and other people's songs, often, uh, if the song is resonating me, I'm singing along with it in about the back third of the process. I'm familiarized with the song. I've been listening to it nonstop for hours on end. My It's driving my wife nuts. And uh, I remember to to backtrack to Crescendo, towards the very, very, very tail end of that album, we were refreshing um, Fallen. And one of the last things we added, I had sent you a harmony I was singing when I was singing along with that song. It was at the end of the second verse, and the line is escaping me right now, um, right before it goes into the chorus. But I just sang a, a, an upper third and sent that to you. And I was like, hey, I'm hearing this, uh, like it or spike it. And you sang it. Um, but that's kind of how my process works, was I would just sing along with the song, and every now and then I'd find these harmonies that I thought sounded cool. And that's kind of how I came up with the harmonies for Entwined and Oracle and the few other songs I sang harmony on. Um, so I sing harmony about two thirds to three quarters of the way through me mixing. So I've got everything roughly where I want it to be and I'm familiar with the song. So it's kind of internalized and I've been singing along with it while I'm mixing it. So I've found some of those cool spots where the harmonies could be and what those lines could be. And some of them are a little trickier than others. Um, but Entwined, I remember really kind of liking, if I remember correctly, I did sort of this pedal tone. I didn't follow you exactly. Because sometimes with a harmony, you can have Eric's main line, and then the harmony would just be, uh, in, in musical terms, in musical parlance, one third above that. So a third up in that same key and just follows along in parallel. I kind of sang a couple spots where I just hung on the same note while you were moving. And I, I forget how exactly I came up with it. I think I was just experimenting. Um, but yeah, in the end, I just kind of followed you. And uh, usually when I do backups, I do doubles. So I record the same part twice. And uh, yeah, I was actually really pleasantly surprised with how well our voices seem to mesh on this and on the other yeah, songs. Yeah, it was well. uh, after Oracle and listening to our tracks. Uh, you know, ladies and gentlemen, uh, my voice is weird. <laughs> I'll be the first to say it. I don't have the prototypical rock singer voice. Uh, I sound 16. I look 50. Okay. 42. Uh, younger than Lance as that one person told wow. us that one day. Ooh. <laughs> just, just one, just one, just one but person. that's all I need. It was just one. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I, my voice is unique and you either like it or you don't. And I'm totally fine with that. You know, when I was growing up, I was like, why can't I just sing like, you know, Bono or someone else? But 
then when you get older, you realize, hey, this is what I've been given, so I'm going to use it to the best of my abilities. And I do. Uh, but having Bobby sing with me, there's just, it's such a mix. I mean, our minds already meld, which is scary enough when we're like talking. <laughs> I mean, we talked about this before. Our messenger chats are completely insane. But our voices uh, work. And he's singing his backups. I'm doing the lead. I've got some backups there. And I wasn't singing like straight thirds or fifths on some of my chorus harmonies. They were kind of weaving all over the place. Mm. And at some parts, it sounds like there's 20 people singing. <laughs> and, and it's really fun. It's, it's pleasing to the ears, which is, if there's a hallmark, you know, to West of House, is there, if there's something that we do a lot that really makes me happy, it's that, you know, I think we create music and harmonies and hooks that are pleasing to the ears at times, uh, especially in some of our darker songs, which are really fun. And Entwined isn't one of them. It's, it's full of light, actually. But you did a hell of a job on this, Bobby. And God, you're you're singing on everything from now on because I don't need 20 tracks of myself. <laughs> you need something different. It's like, you know, Bobby, when you were talking about having different guitars, mm-hmm. you know, you just can't have the same guy do all the singing and then having someone as talented as Bobby, you know, and, you know, we pay him for his mixing and mastering, but we don't pay him squat for his singing. That's for free, you know, and I don't expect a bill. <laughs> um. Like you said, you do start to get comfortable with your own voice. If if not comfortable, you accept it. Accept it. It's the five stages of singers. You know, I'm I think I'm finally at acceptance. I'm still at bargaining, I think. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, cause I always wanted to sound like James Hetfield and then I wanted to sound like um Maynard James Keenan from Tool and now I want to sound like Devin Townsend, but like which version of Devin Townsend, I don't know. Um but I know I have kind of for a for a male um, a fairly high voice, and if you want an indication of that, you should rewind back to what you drink in there, because um, that's. Uh, hey, that was good, man. Lance, um, you, you always say you can't <laughs> sing. You're on the next album. <laughs> oh yeah, you got to put them on the next <laughs> album. <laughs> oh come on, man! But you know, you and I both have reasonably high voices, and I I think that just kind of between the two the fact that we have roughly similar ranges but very different textures just makes for this sort of awesome puzzle piece that we discovered over the process of this album it's a just a wonderful goulash yeah (laughs) well you know what let's play uh let's play some of those uh harmonies with the leads this is you know the little eric and bobby show of of us just trying our best to make something pretty so here you go We'll sing, we'll smile, and we'll dance Our sanguine love's entwined With our scars and our dreams We'll sing, we'll smile, and we'll dance I am yours and you are mine All our scars and our dreams so, so there you go. You know, that's, uh, that's me and Bobby Phillips doing the, the thing that we love to do. And hopefully you found it pleasing to your auditory extravagant. I'm just making up words. I really, seriously, I'm making up stuff at this point. You know, let's throw it back over to Bobby. Bobby, let, let's get into mixing this bad daddy. Tell us about, tell us some studio stories about entwined. Oh man. So there were drums and then, uh, every, everything after that is just black. It's 
um no it was actually so the 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 more rocking songs like entwined and um apropos which we'll get to much later um and even going back to the previous album some of those more just kind of the more straight up rock and roll um songs are actually typically the easier ones to mix there's usually fewer parts that i have to slot in together and um like you mentioned, Kevin re-recorded his guitar parts, and the uh, the the tone was glorious. And with with him holding that down for the you know kind of being the bed of the track for the most part, um, just kind of letting that sit where it needed to sit. Uh, and then there were drums and putting Lance's uh, bit in there, the bass playing, everything just kind of slotted together, and it really did help that you guys had performed this before. It was an older song; it wasn't written you know two weeks written recorded two weeks before i mixed it which isn't to say that the ones that we do that on are bad or difficult but the fact that it had been honed really showed through when it came to mixing it it came together extremely quickly uh and like i said uh once i got about three quarters of the way through i added my harmonies and mixed those in and um yeah this one was a breeze man Uh, i don't really have any horror stories or nightmares or you know even there wasn't a whole lot of ear candy really either. It was, it's a pretty straight ahead song. Um, I will mention that because of that, some uh, astute West of house listeners, as you're listening to drown the wind, you may notice there is more goo on Eric's voice. The goo we mentioned in last season being that combination of uh, the plugins portal and echo boy, that uh, stretchy uh, gooey as it were, echo that just kind of permeates throughout the entire song and in addition we added a plug-in thanks to you eric we added rom r-a-u-m rom is all over this album and i oh love it oh my gosh from Nate, it's it's my new favorite i put it in my mix template for my stuff too um but the combination of rom portal and echo boy that is your goo and it is most prevalent i think on entwined because of the space given by the reduced number of instruments compared to something more complex and lush um, just to kind of fill it out. So yeah, there's some, there's some ear candy in respect to the, the echo and the goo, but other than that, it was pretty straight ahead and pretty simple on my end. Now, I don't know if you know offhand, uh, do you know how many tracks we're in entwined? Not counting drums. I count, Not counting count, drums. count drum is one track because it's drums. drum is one track drum, bass, Kevin guitars, if I could pull up the session without interrupting the uh, guitar, the uh, podcast recording, I would. Uh, I want to say, guesstimating, including my added vocal tracks and counting the drums as one, I think we were like fewer than 20 if you count the drums as one. That's not too bad. Um, if you that, For a West of me, House song, that is, uh, that's like bare bones. Yeah. Oh, here we here we go. Here we go. I got it. Um, so you handed me, not including the uh the duplicate tracks um for listeners, uh Eric will typically hand me two versions of a vocal track. One will be wet, which is the effects he's been listening to as he's been recording and demoing the song, and then a dry version, which is just his vocal without any effects. And I usually use the dry and reference the wet so I know where he's going in his mind. But at this point, our minds are the same. Eric, you handed me 24 tracks if we add drums and my vocals and i just did two tracks of vocals throughout the whole thing so we're looking at math 27 tracks not bad 
That not is not bad at all. Like I said, that that's low for us. Oh yeah. I, I know Tommy likes to say there's 17 drum tracks. It there's one, Tommy. There's just <laughs> one. It's just drums. No, it's it uh, drums. <laughs> there were drums. I'm gonna get the thousand yard stare. <laughs> Bobby, you were mentioning before you said a more refined song that we've played for a while tends to be an easier one for you to to kind of put together at the end. Would you say that's because the tracks are of higher quality or is it more because there's fewer notes as we're still trying to explore and get to know it ourselves? You know, in a newer song, we're not necessarily sure how we want it to fully finish and, you know, finished product, but... I, I, I feel like it's a combination of the two and it's to say nothing of the polish of the tracks that I get from you guys, because everything is played really well um, by all of you. I, it's more so the second half of what you were just saying. There's sort of that element of everybody still kind of finding the song. And there's definitely something to be said for tracks that you guys have been able to rehearse in person and hash out and kind of spend that time with, you know, I've been in bands. You guys have all been in bands. You know how that goes where, you kind of iron out the kinks and um, figure out those little spots where things are, oh, I'm not sure about this part. Can we figure something else out? In the room, together, face-to-face, you know, minus social distancing, pre-COVID times. Um, and I, there's something to be said for that. And it, it, it's also cool that we're doing everything remote. But I, I think the ones that you guys have done before and have been able to hash out and um iron out in the past and of course like you mentioned tommy wasn't on the original version you had um was his name scott you said scotty b scotty b on the drums different drummer but um it and to have tommy come in and do what he did was was amazing but this was something that was clearly in listening to it from my end very familiar to you guys whereas something that's written more recently in the context of building a Westahouse album and writing an original Westahouse song rather than reusing something, you can hear where you guys are trying to find your parts. And I can hear where you're still kind of figuring things out or you just figured something out. And, you know, there's been times uh, specifically with Eric where we've come back and redone vocals when he decided he had a better take or a better idea or, um, even if his allergies were just bugging him. True story. It's a, uh, just th- it, there's an obvious comfort, familiarity, and confidence in in the performances on something like Entwined versus something that you all wrote remotely. Um, but that's not to say those songs are bad in any way. It's just different and on my end and different on your end. And it's the nature of West of House as a band being largely remote at this point. And that makes total sense, but that fascinates me that you can hear that. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so like so like what other song or songs would you say we've played for more than just, you know, separate isolated creations? I am going to have to I would have to listen to the album again. I haven't listened to the whole thing in a minute because I've been trying to come in that's good, because I don't want it to be too obvious, of course, but that is interesting yeah. that you can pick up on that. I mean, obviously you have an ear that's more refined than most, but that's pretty impressive. Yeah, there's something to be said about Entwined. Um, I'd have to look at the track listing, but... Um, there's one more that we've played a ton. Well, two more. That we've, there's two. There's three total that we've played previously multiple oh, times. 
Oh, we can make this a game show. Hang on. Let me pull up the track listing. Let's see here. Let's see if you can do better than Lance. You're at least at 33% right now. Well, I, I told you there's three of them, right, Eric? Yeah. Is that right? You said three. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Obviously entwined, so that's kind of unfair. I didn't get any freebies. Yeah, no, that's on. a bit of a gimme. Um, let's see. I don't think it's... Don't tell me until I guess, but I don't think it's Beautiful Distraction. It's not Caddy Wampus, that's for sure. Um, let's see here. <laughs> <laughs> this is great content, guys. I'm going to guess... Yeah, I'm going to guess... I love it. I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say the Oracle is one of them. Was that was that borrowed from uh, a Mad Ones? You you said we can't tell you. Oh, until I okay until I'm done. Uh, I'm gonna say. I mean, you have three songs, right? So you obviously so I've got entwined. entwined. You've chosen Oracle, I believe. Oracle, which I know is a uh, a Kevin Heavy song. So and, you're looking for one more. And. Um, Oh, man, that's tough. Part of me wants to say American. And I'm trying to remember our chats, too. Because that's going to give me some context. That's true. That would be revealing. Yeah. I, I know I know it's not Sunshine Girl. I'm pretty sure. I know I'm pretty sure. I know I'm that. pretty sure. <laughs> that's like a, de a definite maybe. Uh, let's see here. I'm going to... Okay. Final answers... I'm going to go with the Oracle and where to begin. That's, you know, that, that's one of those is correct. Okay. <laughs> which, which is Oracle. Uh, okay. a, final, a final tally of two out of three, though. Not bad. All right. Well, he, that's, he got one. He, well, he, he had entwined. Him. He knew entwined. See, that's not, that doesn't count. So he, he got not, one out of two. Oh, so you were going better. out of two. He's still bitter about the previous episode where he got two out of eight. No, hey, so. just being a straight shooter here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what was so the other it, one? It was Beautiful Distraction. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> Beautiful Distraction is the oldest song on the album. Oldest. Yeah, it is. Do you remember when that was okay. written, Lance? Do you know the year? Let's oh, turn it God. back to you so uh, you can be embarrassed now. 2015? <laughs> no. Oh, God, no. Yeah. Well, that's still You're not six, even the ballpark. 2003. Oh, okay, that's, that's, that's like the beginning that's of That's from uh, my first solo album. Love it. Yeah. Well, well, that's that's why it's what seven minutes long. Yeah. That's probably exactly. Why. Well, you did better than Lance, Bobby. So you know, you at least have that. Well, you could argue he got nope, one out of ten really right. We can't argue Lance. We can't argue. So that's ten percent. Not I was, even up for no, debate. No, no, it's, 20, it's okay. Twenty-five. Next, listen, Lance. Next episode, we'll find <laughs> if he shows up. We'll find something to quiz Tommy on. I love it. <laughs> it's not going to be hard. <laughs> Tommy, what's two plus two? <laughs> Ouch. All right. Ouch. So, uh, so yeah. Uh, anything more in the studio, or should we jump into those words? Well, we need to get to the words. Yeah, man. we need to get to the words. Cause, All right. Um, let's let's get to the, the words and, and see what happens. This is the usually the most unscripted part of our podcast, and so I love where these go. Well, let's kind of start out. So I did not tell anyone what this song was about for years, literal years. So Lance, you obviously know Bobby. I believe you know at this point. But before I told you, you know, what did you think this song was about? We'll start with you, Lance. Well, as I've said in public, I many don't times, listen to lyrics because they make me I, go sleepy. <laughs> 
they don't resonate with me because I only listen to like lead guitarists and drummers and stuff. So, but once I sit down and, and I dissect it, I love the first verse, but I don't understand them because con contextually, it's kind of like the end of the world kind of a feeling, but I don't understand how that fits because, you know, the whole rest of the song, we're singing, we're smiling, we're dancing, it's, we're entwined. I mean, it's a love song. And, and so I just assumed it was a normal love romance type of scenario that is the American way of writing songs, minus the whole truck and dog stuff in the country artist world. But but yeah, so we're loving another human, and you're thinking your boyfriend, girlfriend type of a thing. I can relate to verse two. Let's see if my failure defines me, because I've all we've all had some failures in love and romance. You more than most. Um well <laughs> I've been broken up with once, so, and it was devastating, but I did most of the breaking. So that being said, I, I just figured it's a normal love song, and it has some some nice, you know, $5 Webster words in there, but uh, that, that that's all I Let's have. Let's go to our next game show real fast. Uh, just one question on this game show. Lance, what does sanguine mean? Sanguine. You can't look yeah, it up. Get question. your hands off the mouse. Well, I, I already had looked it up before. Oh, you bastard. So, I knew you were so going to do I, that. I, ch I, I cheat a little bit. So does, do we want to ask Bobby? Oh, Bobby's a wordsmith. He, he, I, I, I assume he I already knows. I read books. <laughs> you read books. Did you know what it well, was before I, you looked it up? I mean, contextually, I had a feeling it was something that was a good thing, right? Like it was a positive type of word and... And then when I looked it up, I was like, oh, look at that. Optimistic. That's great stuff. Just like the end of the song. Oh, look at that. Yeah, pretty much. But, you know, I also love the, the, the word. It actually is pretty cool because it's, it's especially in, an, in a bad or difficult situation. So I do love the, con the context of that. I just figured it was a good, positive thing. And, it rolls um, off the tongue. It's a nice word for a song. For sure. It's, it also, sings well. It does. It's it's a beautiful word. You're very sanguine singing. I don't know what kind of like the background is. That? Is that a Latin base or is it French or? Oh, that's a whole other podcast, dude. Well, <laughs> I know we get into like come word on etymology. It's come on. All right, let's move on to Bobby. <laughs> Bobby, did you have any ideas what this song was about? Were you kind of along so, the lines as Lance and? Well, so what what I got out of the wordplay of it, I feel like sanguine is the key to the song. And you've got sort of this, like you mentioned before, this sort of dichotomy, uh, opposition, uh, back and forth sort of thing going on. Because you do have this, um, dark seems like too strong of a word, but it's 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 definitely a rock song in a minor key, which can conjure up feelings of, of sorrow or anger or just rock with the devil horns there. Um, and you've got this sort of, opposition between the um the verses and the choruses where your verses you're setting up this sort of like let's see if everything falls apart um let's see if if i'm a, a failure and if that defines who i am as a human being but then the choruses there's that lift of like you know what let's be optimistic and positive in the face of that is sort of the the vibe i got and and with that you've got this optimistic lifted chorus uh, as far as the content is concerned 
juxtapose against this darker minor key musical section. So all that to say, I don't know what the song is actually about. I just think it's clever. Well, I, I, I like that. I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, make uh, feel good. it's an interesting song and you know, I'm going to reveal some songwriter secrets that don't do it. Sometimes you don't, don't do it. Always know. <laughs> I know it's like the magicians revealing their secrets, but, but this is important. I, th- I think it's good for people to know. Sometimes words will leave you and you don't always know exactly what they mean until a little bit later. You know, you, your brain knows what's going on. Your brain is throwing stuff out and then you look at it and sometimes you have your epiphany as well. And I wrote this and, and I had my epiphany a few you know days after I wrote it. And then I didn't really share it with the Mad Ones kind of, you know, we went our separate ways in West of House and so we brought the song back and I never really had a chance to talk about it. I didn't have a podcast or anything. I don't have an opportunity to rant as ubiquitously as I do now. The key to the song, you know, Lance is correct. And I will give you this, Lance. The key to the song is very simple. It's that age-old song about love. It is a love song. And that that's not a bad thing. That's not something we shy away from. You know, there's a reason why so many people write about love. And it's because it's such an all-encompassing emotion. And it's something we can all relate to. So, of course, that's going to come up with music. But that first verse... Let's see if the mountains will crumble, if the oceans will turn to dust, if the sun will set and never rise again on our requited love. You hear a lot of songs about unrequited love, about love where only one person has that feeling. Uh, The requited is a clue. Again, you know, kind of like Sanguine is, and Bobby is correct on that. Uh, Requited, you know, both people feel the same. But if you guys remember, let's go far back. And Lance, you might remember because you were from California. Bobby, I don't know if you've had similar things, but coming from Wyoming, this will probably resonate in a different way as well. So a couple of years ago, 10, 11, I'd have to look it up. Uh, listeners, you can correct me and tell me the exact date, 2014, 15, I'm not sure. We had a thing called Proposition 8 in California. And Proposition 8 was about gay marriage. And my God... When this thing came up, you would have thought the world was going to end. People went absolutely batshit crazy about the idea of same-sex marriage. And they said, what's next? Will goats get married and will people marry, you know, 16 children and frolic in fields? And people were just spouting the utter nonsense. And a lot of this came from the religious right. And there is a portion of Christianity that they've made, you know, same-sex relationships their hallmark. That's the thing they're going to hang their hat on because apparently it's not their thing, so they're going to point it out in everyone else. That is, well, I don't know if it's a podcast for a different time. We'll see where this conversation goes. Uh, But I just, I couldn't believe it that so many people got up in arms about something that did not concern them. Because who am I? I mean, I'm, I'm married. I have three kids. I'm I'm married to a woman, but who am I to tell you, whoever you may be, who you can fall in love with? And then I thought back decades uh, to, I forget the Supreme Court case, I think it was Loving, uh, when it was illegal for a white person to marry a black person. Now, Now, in 2021, we say, 
Well, that's ridiculous. That's absolutely stupid. But it was a big deal, and people were getting killed for it just as recently as the 50s and 60s, and probably even later in some of the more southern states. You know, it's something that's frowned upon. And this idea, it, it just blows my mind. Even to this day, I still don't understand that we can stand up on our pedestal and make proclamations about who another person should love. Now, even if we have two completely different belief systems, who the hell am I to say, oh, who you're loving is wrong. You need to love someone that I'm comfortable with. The, the audacity, the absolute audacity. And so that's where that first verse came from. It spewed out of my mind and I read it and I said, oh my God, I, I think I wrote, you know, uh, a song about LGBTQ rights. And I stand by it. I absolutely stand by it. You know, because we had people literally saying the world was going to end. Our civilization was going to crumble. We have idiots on TV saying that uh, gay people bring hurricanes to America and all this other BS. It's absolutely, I don't even know the word for it, but I'm sure it's obscene. Uh, it, it blows my mind, people. And so this song, you know, I threw that out and then the song goes more on a broad scale and it's talking about love of any kind because we don't choose who we love. I mean, if you're more than 13, 14, 15 years old, you know, you don't choose who you love, who you're attracted to, who you fall for, who does that thing that lights that spark in you, the person that you look at and say, I can't live without you, be they male, female, white, black, another religion, anything. And so the whole point of this was basically to put duct tape over the mouth of anyone that speaks out against things that they have no business talking about. I would have never gotten any of that just reading the lyrics. And, and I love the backstory on it. Um, for context with, because um, I remember when Prop 8 was going through, I, I obviously don't live in California, I never have. Um, but that kind of brought, there was a spotlight on you guys with Prop 8. And we heard about it nationwide. Um, and that kind of was one of the first, if not the first, and my, my recent history is terrible, I was drinking a lot at the same time, so I don't remember a lot of the, the details on that, but I remember Prop H put a spotlight on that, and then many other states kind of started to follow suit, and it depended on the state. You know, some of the more blue states, you'd see enacting um, protections against, uh, for, excuse me, protections for same-sex marriage. Um, while you were so eloquently ranting i was looking up and refreshing my memory on the history of it in wyoming we did not we as a state uh, uh for for which i'm as as much as there is good here we have a lot of problems here in wyoming and one of them is it's um very conservative and very there's a large anti-lgbtq um cluster of people i guess you could say a large portion of our population is anti-lgbtq and uh so rather than us as a state our legislators enacting protections uh for same-sex marriage and outright legalizing same-sex marriage we unfortunately had to have a federal court step in and say your bans against same-sex marriage are unconstitutional. And that was in October of 2014 is what I found in the brief bit of research. So, um, 
yeah, that's that's kind of rough for us, but it's it's cool that you wrote a song about that. And I would have never gotten that just reading the words and hearing the story behind. That's really cool. I've got a ton of friends in the LGBTQ community. Um, my my wife is a member of the LGBTQ community, um, and so yeah, that's it's it's a cause very near and dear to my heart, and something I will always vocalize and and defend and stand up for. So good on you, man. Well, thanks. And in Wyoming, I mean, it's, I'm not going to say claim to fame, but obviously uh, you can't bring up Wyoming without bringing up Matthew Shepard mm-hmm. and what happened in uh, 1998 when he was brutally murdered. And I mean, that changed the conversation from just being kind of a rural issue and that resonated nationwide. And stuff like that is still going on. It's not just Wyoming, obviously. And it's not, you know, I'm not going to say it's Wyoming people. It's bad people doing this. Yeah. You know, yeah. in every state, because every state has these people. I mean, the thing that kills me, well, I'll continue my rant, and you could, you people can fast forward to the song if you want, if you want to go past this. But this is kind of what we do when that goes down the road. The thing that kills me, and if you know my lyrics, it's the inability for the church to address this stuff. And it's always killed me. The very few churches still in America, especially the white evangelical church, will even open their mouths to address LGBTQ issues. You know, and and that's not, we could get into the whole argument about translations on the Bible. And if you don't know, I, I do have a background in Greek and that's a whole different podcast. But you know, it's... It raises some questions that you don't see the word translated in scripture, the word homosexual, till 1947. And that before that, it was considered widely known that the words used for that uh, were translated to mean sexual deviancy, specifically the molesting of children in temple ceremonies. And so these raise questions. But in 1947, you had the Revised Standard Version. I'm going to give you kind of a nutshell. They threw in the word homosexual for this word and... It turns out they made a mistake and then they retracted it, but it was too late. All these other versions of the Bible jumped on it and they used homosexual. And then you have a push against the LGBTQ community because people like to say, oh, these they've got issues and that takes a spotlight off myself. And now if we have a God that is bigger than anything, a God who claims per scripture that he is love, you know, I, I just find it strange that some people's God is so small that he just cares about where you put your genitals. Because if there is a God, and I believe that, of course, there is, you know, and that's my opinion. I'm not thrusting that on anyone. But if there is a God and he is the almighty creator of the universe and he made the earth and the stars and the galaxies and everything, why on earth do you think he cares what Fred or Brenda down the street do in their bed? Why is that your big hang up? Because if there is a God and he came and through Jesus, he talked about being love and loving God and loving your neighbor without condition. But yet we're so hung up on dicks. Oh, great. I just ha- now I have to put the explicit on the episode. <laughs> but but come on, people. I mean, does am I am I ranting unfairly? Does anyone see how ridiculous this is that we have got so hung up in in sexuality and and push so many people away from Jesus? And from God and becoming one with, you know, 
again, if you believe that there's a creator of the universe, and I'm giving you my opinion, of course, and I'm sorry you don't have a mic, so you have to listen to me. But if you do believe this, and even if you don't, if you don't believe it, you really have no excuse. Because the the law of the atheist universe is don't be a dick. That is. And it kind of works for Christianity, too. Absolutely. It's in the Old Testament somewhere. It is. <laughs> Ecclesi Fallopians. <laughs> I mean, and sure, I'm paraphrasing, but don't. God, I said it so much in season one, and I'm sorry if I'm beating a dead horse, but just stop being a dick and stop caring what someone else is doing in the dead of the night. The second you start pointing fingers, you're just trying to take attention off yourself. I, I have a very dear friend. Um, his name's Dominic, and he, he, I, he, I forget how we got into it, but we were hanging out uh, maybe about a year ago, and he was talking about, it, it's interesting the things you bring up. I my, myself am an atheist, um, but and, and you're right, don't be a dick. I was talking with my friend Dominic and I forget how we got on the topic, but he, we were talking about the, the very obvious disconnect. And this obviously doesn't go for everybody, but between the, uh, very conservative, you know, Fox news following Newsmax following Alex Jones and kind of the more, it's, it's hard to call it fringe. Now it's, it's very obviously, uh, a, a, a very large part of that mainstream, but, how a lot of them will, by word alone, espouse the teachings of Christ, the teachings of God, and things uh, you know, such as love your neighbor and be kind to one another, and eye for an eye, and um, you know, um, cast the first stone, and like all these these wonderful teachings, by word and word alone. But the ones actually doing that good work aren't usually the ones who are shouting from the rooftops, you need to love your neighbor. They're the ones actually going out to homeless shelters and, and um, soup kitchens and um, food drives and, you know, actually doing the good work. And there's this very strange disconnect. And none of those people for, for the most part are the ones spouting hate towards other people for the way they love, but the ones who, show up in church every Sunday before football, the ones who are showing up thumping their Bibles, and I know now where that phrase comes up, the ones showing up thumping their Bibles are doing it to pat themselves on the back for look how good of a job I am for worshiping my God. And there's just, I don't know, I haven't made a, a full like concrete thing on it, but the disconnect is is just insane to me. Yeah, we we call that the the Sunday Christian. Yeah, exactly. The yeah, the hour and a half out of every week, and then the rest of the week, it's you're loving wrong. How how can you tell someone how to love? That's it's stupid and frustrating. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and Lance brings up a good term, and I think it's almost a step further that God, even the term Christian has been weaponized now, mm-hmm. and and while I absolutely consider myself a follower of Jesus and his teachings. I kind of cringe using that word now because there's a, a a conception that comes with that when you say Christian. Now it's like, oh, well, you, then you voted for Trump and you hate gays and brown people. I'm like, no, 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 no. No, let's use a different word then. You know, and, and it kind of kind of hurts me because Christian just means little Christ. That's, you know, after we take it from the Greek, that's what it comes out to. But the fact that 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 religion, especially Christianity, has been so weaponized and has been politicized and really 
the white evangelical church is more about the political belief and being on the the religious right than it is about the teachings of Jesus. Jesus just seems to be something that they say, you know, to to unite them, I guess. But the teachings, if Jesus were to come today, they'd kill him again. Oh, absolutely. No question. Especially because he'd probably be, well, he's he's brown. (laughs) Well, a brown brown socialist Jew isn't going to get too far. Yeah, hanging out with lepers and prostitutes. Today's America. We we should write a song about that. Oh, there you go. Maybe call it American. So I got to tell you guys about a story when our drummer finished the video for this song, which we'll play here or at least talk about that. It's going to be kind of hard to play a video on a podcast, man. Yeah. We'll talk about it though after we play the song. We could play it and it would be like playing the song. (laughs) Go go watch the video, Westies. Yeah. So it's on YouTube. And obviously now that those of you who are still with us, um, know what the actual song, you know, what inspired Eric to write it. It is a love story, but it's an unexpected love story in terms of the context of it, which is why it's so cool and beautiful. And so anyways, I have a co-worker at my school and she is, she's been married to her partner for a while. She, she also has a daughter from a, you know, a a straight relationship and she's been i believe married with her partner for many many years now and you know she she's pretty proud of it which i love to hear every now and then she just interjects it like we any of us would um and our spouses and i love that about her i love the bravery of that and i knew when our drummer finished this song in the video i wanted to watch it with her and show it to her like in my office just the two of us because I'm pretty proud of the song. I'm pretty proud of what it actually means, even though I didn't know what it was for many years. And and really how Tommy put that video together with Eric's vision. And I, it was pretty special for me to, to show this to her. And we watched it on my computer and it brought her to tears. And it was a pretty special moment for the two of us to share because she's retiring in a, actually in a, in next week. And... It was pretty awesome, and I was so excited to be able to share that with her. So the timing of it couldn't have been better. And it was neat for her to talk about because she's like, you know, I'm so proud of you for doing this, and I'm I'm so proud of all our kids at our school now and how brave they are. She's like, this is easy for me because she's, she's, this was her words, not mine. She's like, I'm old, so I don't care about this stuff anymore. I, like, I'm not worried about what people think anymore, and I'm I'm open and proud about it. And I hope more and more people, and I love our, these newer and younger generations and how brave they are and, and living the life that they, they want to live and not being ashamed of who they love. Kind of like Eric said, it's not our place to judge who we love or, or whatnot. It's, it's, it's nothing to be threatened by, right? And our society, for some reason, gets so tight-wadded about it. Um, there's a lot worse things out there that we should probably all be rallying around that is much more detrimental to our society than other people loving other people in a genuine way. So I, I don't know. It was just, it was a really cool experience for me to be a part of. And I just, I wanted to share that for all of you guys, but um, personally to be a part of that, which I don't think I've ever been a part of a song with this type of content. So kudos to you, Eric, and kudos to you, Tommy, wherever you are asleep, watching some TV show, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it, that kind of segues into you know the video, which which I do want to bring up. So uh, 
Tommy, you know, put together all the visuals for this video, which kind of tells the story of the song. And I worked with him on just, you know, kind of the vision aspect of it. And he put it together and did a wonderful job. And, you know, you guys go on YouTube, push pause on us, go watch that video. It tells a beautiful story, you know, and before we, re we released it, you know, being a white cis male, which I am, uh, I didn't want to release it without running by my friends in the LGBTQ community because, you know, in many ways it, it may not be appropriate for me to speak out on some of these issues. And so I, I wanted that uh, blessing, so to speak, you know, from my friends who lived that life to make sure that, that I wasn't, you know, it's not my intent to virtue signal or anything like that. And I wanted to tell a very real authentic story. And the folks that I showed it to, uh, to a T, just all came back and, and kind of like Lance's friend, you know, said it was beautiful and, and thanked us, you know, just for being a voice too. Because while, while we made, you know, while we are white cis males and this is who we are, we also want to be appropriate allies, you know, not just in word alone. But we are able to leverage some of our privilege as white cis males and, you know, throw this message out there and stand in solidarity with the LGBTQ community, whom I love dearly and have so many friends in that community who mean the world to me. And I stand by them in their struggle, you know, not from behind. And I don't just want to yap, but also hopefully in my deeds and how I, how I live my life and in how I stand for them. And so Tommy just did a wonderful job with this video. Uh, my favorite, you know, to date. So so go watch that. It, it's beautiful. It'll bring a tear to your eye. And just, a, I, I think, a wonderful visual story of what the song represents. Yeah, I only managed to, you know, shame on me, but I only managed to uh, catch snippets of it here and there on Instagram. I was kind of taking a break um, from social media and kind of focusing on some other things in my life which is a whole nother episode we should do one of these days on a mental health. Definitely. But uh, <clears throat> um, I, the bits I did catch uh, after the album dropped and you guys dropped the video, it, it, it did definitely clue me into that. Um, and the, the bits I did happen to see were just beautiful. So hats off to Tommy for that. That was awesome. Good job, Tommy. Too bad you're not here to take the compliment. Now shut up. <laughs> so I think without further ado, you know, we owe it to the people that have stuck with us through another long episode that we didn't actually intend, but okay, I'm sure you're not surprised at this point. Let's go ahead and play Entwined.
Okay, so there you go. And, you know, as I've said in all of season one, you know, I still love it. Even after, you know, a, an older song, it's, it, it's a nice tune. You know, it's the feeling, the, the message, the hooks, just really gr- good song. And I think a, a great proper opening, you know, to the album coming after Nibwim. It definitely, I, I feel like it definitely sets like after Nibwim. Which, which is kind of like the welcome with open arms that I talked about last episode. Entwine definitely feels like that. All right, here we go. Let's go. Yeah, let's, and, let's jump into the story. Yep. So thank you, you know, uh, everyone for coming along with us on this journey. The next episode, Lance, what song is up next? It'll be song three from this Drown the Wind album, American, which will 
American, and that's in no way, you know, controversial. Uh, it's it's like a, a children's lullaby. It's uh, it's it's yes. definitely a welcome departure from the rant filled episode that this was, right? Oh Wait. yeah, there's no. I'm sure there's not going to be any rants during that episode. <laughs> so feel free to check that out ahead of time and prepare yourself for what will transpire. Uh, it's it's not going to be pretty, but it's going to be it's going to be necessary. Hot licks and hot debates. Yep, that's that's kind of our thing. So in closing, you know, we want to invite you guys. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to Echoes Down the Road so you get those notifications every time we drop a new episode. Share it with your friends. Uh, go out, listen to Drown the Wind. It is on every streaming platform that you can find except for Pandora. And you heard my rant in previous episodes, so I won't go into that again. I hate you, Pandora. Uh, but in social media, you, know, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Bandcamp. We're at westofhouse.bandcamp.com. You can purchase a digital copy of the album, which we would greatly appreciate. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter.com, West of House Band. And on YouTube, you can find us at youtube.com slash C as in Charlie slash West of House. And please subscribe there as well because we may have more videos and special things coming up on the YouTube. So guys... Is another good one. You got anything else to close with before we tuck our listeners in and put them to bed? No, it's a great album that we created, and this song kind of get it kicked started with a pretty lovely but controversial topic, and the fun will continue. I find myself uh, when noodling on the guitar playing Kevin's part, so it's 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 a sticky song in in the best of ways. So great way there to kick go. off the album. Sticky. There you go. I, I appreciate you playing those licks. I, I think you owe me a nickel every time you do. <laughs> well, thank you, folks. Uh, it's been another fun time here in Echoes Down the Road, and we will see you next week. It, it's when you realize what this song is about, which I didn't realize the first time I played it for many years, you kind of go through the same experience. You're like, oh my God, I didn't realize that. But yeah, that totally works. Okay, I want you to, I want you to take that line. I want you to say it again right after I talk about the rest of this outro stuff. Because that's a great line going oh. to the next. I just have two more points to cover. Uh, so you had more. To, okay, it's okay. See, I just, it's okay. I finished a lot faster than hey. most people. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>